0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, Passion Life Church. Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause for this new year. Happy New Year to you. I'm so excited, not only about the new year, but I have an expectation that God is going to do something so fresh and so new in our lives today. And, And I hope that in these next four weeks that you'll just commit To This series and commit to some growth in our lives and you know one of the things that I've just learned is a lot of times the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of change. Let me say that again. Sometimes the pain of staying the same is worse than actual changing. And the pain of change, and I'm telling you, God has something great for us this year. He has something great for you. And uh, so, this morning, we're beginning a four-part series that we're entitled that I've entitled "Uphill Habits." And what is this all about, Pastor Phil? Well, what this is about is that a lot of people have what I call uphill hopes. They hope for a lot, and I hope you have hope. Hope is so important. I have an expectancy about the new year. But here's the thing. Hope is not a strategy. Hope is an expectancy. And so what we have to do is we have to add uphill habits to our uphill hope. Now, for some of us, we have uphill hope, but we have downhill habits, And so what happens is we never get to that place where we feel like God wants us to be, or we don't get to that place where we feel it's like, man, this is the best that God has for our lives. And sometimes we can get a little confused because we're like, well, I have these hopes. Yeah, you did, but you didn't combine your uphill hopes with your uphill habits. As a matter of fact, you had uphill hopes, but you had downhill habits, and it didn't work. And the truth is, we form habits, and then our habits form us. You know, our character becomes the sum total of our everyday choices, and we start to become what we repeatedly do. Come on, somebody. And so I want to start the new year with some brand new habits. And as important as hope is, I want us to have hope. But I also want to let you know, and I want to be up front with you, especially in this series, what we're going to talk about isn't easy. It's a challenge, right? But it is doable. And with God's help, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And as we live our Christian lives, one of the reasons why it's so challenging, I believe, is because it runs counterculture to the world, right? And the world is always trying to bring us down. The world always has its system. But I believe you and I can live above that system. And one of the things that I've learned, I don't know if you've learned this, but everything worthwhile going after is uphill, Everything that worthwhile going after is uphill. And in order for us to get where God wants us to be, I just believe that we're going to have to have some deliberate intentionality about our lives. And I would just encourage you, if you weren't here uh, last week on New Year's Eve, to be honest with you, I really wanted to preach that message again this week because I loved it so much. And unfortunately... Not like the worship team where I can sing same songs over and different over. I have to preach one message and move on. But sometimes I love those messages and I feel like, man, I just want to preach that one again. But I can't, but I can't do that. But it is on the podcast and it's called The Win. And uh, we talked about how some people just don't have a goal for the new year. And the challenge is when you don't have a goal, you will end up anywhere. You'll run, but you'll end up anywhere. And so it's, it's an incredible, incredible message. But here's the reality for you and I. I don't know what your goal is for 2018. I don't know what your hope is. But what I want to do is help us to develop some habits to get us to where God wants, to be, wants us to be. And I'm going to share in the next four weeks four habits. Four habits that I believe that if you'll apply to your life, it's going to head you in the right direction directions. And uh, here's what I want to do. I want to challenge everybody this morning, and I want to challenge you to get rid of your excuses. It's your excuses that hold you back. It's, it's your excuses. And I'm going to tell you as a pastor, it's one of the things that, that gets under my skin the biggest. Is when I'm talking to people and we're excited, there's always an excuse. We can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. Oh, just shush. Right? every you you find a reason why you can't do something. Why don't we find a reason why we can? Why don't we find a reason why we can move forward? Let's find a reason why we can do it. Let's find somebody who can do it. Because you know what? We have a God who says we can do all things through Christ, who strengthens you. You can move forward. Come on, somebody, but let's come on, let's limit. well, you know, society just sucks, and I don't. That's society. It doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be you. Well, everybody's mean doesn't have to be you. You know, the economy doesn't have to be you. We live in a different economy. And you know what? I'm seeding some stuff into 2018, so my life is different, and I'm living in a different economy. I'm living in God's economy, and it's not short. But, you know, we can just become a product of our society, right? We're just, um, we're just thermometers. I'm just letting you know what the temperature is. I want to be a thermostat. I want to change the atmosphere. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so let's eliminate the excuses. Well, you know, I just can't be healthy because I'm big boned. I'm just too tall. I'm always gonna stick out, so I just can't. No, no, no. Come on, let's eliminate the excuses. Can I hear a good amen this morning? Come on, I came to rile you up. It's the new year. It's the new year. It's a new message. It's gonna be fresh. But I just that to me, we have to get rid of those excuses because it just keeps us to to stay where we're at. But we're gonna go on a journey this morning. In this new series, we're gonna go on a journey, and you're gonna need three things on this journey. And here's one of the things you're gonna need. You are gonna need hope for the future. You are going to need hope for the future on this journey. See, some people think, well, you know, I just don't make New Year's resolutions because I know I'm going to break them. So I just don't make things never change. They just never change. You need some hope for the future. I want to tell you something. Things do change. People do change. Maybe not everybody, but people do. Right? And you may be here today and, you know, man, your emotions are shattered. You're just glad you barely, you know, squeaked into 2018. Right? But I got to tell you, things can change. You may be here today and your finances are shattered. Look what Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Listen to this. Plans to give you what? What is that word? Come on, shout it loud. Plans to give you what? If the plans don't involve hope, it's not from God. Right. Woo, that was a good one. That came right from the Holy Spirit. Amen. If it's not from God, it doesn't have, if it has hope in it, it's from God. If there's no hope in it, listen, then it's not from God. But he says, my plans always give you hope, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And you may say, well, you know, Pastor Phil, it's just, you know, here, here's where I am. Can I just give you a word from God this morning? It's in the Bible, a couple words from God. And here they are, but God. When you put those two words in any sentence, God can change any scenario. You know, Jesus was walking through Samaria, and he stopped at this well, and there was this girl, this lady, and uh, you can read about it. It's the woman at the well story, and he comes, and his disciples are getting something to eat, and he sits down, and he talks, and there was this tension between the Jews and the Samarians, and, and so they didn't really uh, talk that much, and Jesus just looks at her. She's drawing water. She's jarring water probably uh, during a time when all the other women weren't out because she probably had slept with probably about five of their husbands, and so she was not the kind of girl that other women and liked. Um, and uh, she sits down and Jesus is like, hey, can you give me some water? Can you draw me some water? And, and she goes, me draw you some water. Uh, she, she says, why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And uh, what, the, the, don't you understand the tension? And look at what Jesus says to her. And I love how it says it in the Message Bible. John chapter 4 verse 10. Jesus says, if you knew the generosity of God. If you would really know and understand the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh, living water. And in turn, Jesus starts talking to her. And see, this woman, was her soul was thirsty. Her soul was thirsty for something more. And Jesus says, well, you know, tell me about your husband. And and, uh, she starts to talk and it turns out, that she'd already had five husbands. The person that she was with was the sixth, but Jesus came into her life and became the seventh man that she would encounter and he would give her living water. And I'm just wanna encourage you today though, no matter where you're at, there's hope. And I want you to know the generosity of God. Here's another thing. As we head on this journey of uphill habits, I want you to know we need number two, repentance from the past repentance from the past. We need a course correction. All of us have made mistakes. How can you say that, Pastor Phil? How can you say all of us have made mistakes? You know why? Because we are all human. Just turn to the person next to you and make sure they are human. Because if they're not, we got a problem on our hands. right? We're all human, we all make mistakes, I've made mistakes, but here's the great news. Repentance means this, that we can actually change our mind we can change that's what repentance means i think repentance sometimes has a a a bad connotation in the church because people think well in order to repent i have to come down to the altar snot bubbles have to come out my nose i have to cry for about five minutes i remember (laughs) and and, uh, one preacher talking about how he was in the service and somebody was crying and uh, and they were finished crying and one of the ushers says hey you're not finished crying go back down to the altar Right? Because it's like if you don't cry enough, right? And like repentance is this feeling. No, repentance is a decision to change our mind that alters our direction, right? And see, here's the reality our minds have to change before our habits change, right? We can all talk about, I don't know if you got your diet ready to go, if that's where you're headed, right? And all these different diets, right? The reality of it is, what is it all about? If you don't change your mind, you're not going to get healthy. If you don't have a healthy mind, your body's not going to get healthy. It's about changing your mind, about what's healthy to eat. And so the change of mind has to happen first. And Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do I'm going to forget what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on. Everybody say that. Say, I'm pressing on. on. I'm pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heaven bound in Jesus Christ. Do you know there's nothing that we can do to change 2017? It's gone. And you know what? You're going to be in this place, and this is where people get stuck. They're already they're trying to change their past. You cannot change your past. The only thing I can tell you about your past is learn from it, Let God forgive you from it, but you need to move forward. It's a new day. Today, the Bible says there's new mercies for each and every one of us every single day to move forward. God wants you to move forward. I don't know if you've ever gone through or know anybody that's gone through like a recovery program as we talk about repentance from the past. But if you've ever gone through a recovery program or know somebody that has, there's this, um, it's, it's called My Life in Five Chapters. And, and, uh, and this is kind of how it goes. It says, I went out for a walk one day, and I fell into a hole, a deep hole, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 2 is, I went on a walk, I fell into a deep hole, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walked, <laughs> went for a walk, I saw the hole, slipped into the hole, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 4. I went for a walk. I saw the hole. I went around the hole. Chapter 5. I went on a walk. I went down a new street. That's a change of mind. Right? Why do we keep going where the holes are? And that's kind of how some people live their life. As close to the edge as possible. Not going to fall this time. Why don't you get away from the edge, homie? Step back from the curb, buddy. How about you go down another road and you will be victorious? Come on, somebody. Amen. But it's a change of mind. It's a repentance from the past. And let me just remind us of it because we need to hear it. God is bigger than our mistakes. Whew. I read that this week as I was writing it, and I got excited. God is bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than your inadequacies. He's bigger than your past limitations. He's bigger than all that. And he wants us to move forward, repentance from the past. But here's number three. On this journey, we're going to have to form some uphill habits. We're going to have to form some uphill habits. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 talks about change. And I love the way I've just been reading the Message Bible, and I love the way it's just a modern English translation of the Bible. But it says this. It says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. See, that, that, that's how cha- religion tries to change you from the outside in. God changes you from the inside out. He wants you to have a new mindset. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize he wants you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. But listen to this. God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. That's the goal. That's the goal. A well-formed maturity in you. You know, I read this quote and it really, really challenged me. I hope it challenges you. But see, God wants to change us from the inside out. And John Maxwell said this. He says, those, do, those that do not have a strong inner life will always succumb to outside circumstances. Let me say that again. Those who do not have a strong inner life will always succumb to the circumstances around us. And that really challenged me because as I look back at 2017, the times that I made bad choices, it was because I wasn't building my spirit man like I need to, building a strong spirit life. And when we don't do that, we will succumb to the circumstances but how many of you know you and I we don't have to succumb to the circumstances we can overcome in Jesus name and so let's look at habit number one today and let's let's focus on and this today is really we're focusing on what we do first and here's habit number one very simply said but hard to do at times habit number one is put God first put God first How many of you would agree with me that what we do first has incredible power on what happens next? Right? All the coffee people said, amen. Don't talk with me until I had my what? My coffee. Don't talk with me. Don't talk with me. How do you feel with no coffee? Depresso. Come on, somebody. It's like that person said, I tried starting my day without coffee. Well, my court date is pending. And we know, coffee people know this, right? Don't talk to me, don't look at me, let me have my coffee, let me have that injection of caffeine uh, or decaf. Uh, Decaf people will pray for you. But um, you know, that, because we know this, what we do first in the morning sets the precedence for the whole day. Because what we do in the morning first has incredible, incredible power. As a matter of fact, if, when you read in the Bible, and you go to Genesis 1-1, it starts out like this. It starts out with, in the beginning, God. That's, how, that's how, the, how the Bible opens up. In the beginning, what? God first. In the beginning, God. Now, for many people, God is with them, but he's not first. And what we need to understand about God, God will take no other place in our life but first. He doesn't want to be second. He doesn't want to be third. He wants to be first. Now, I want to help some people today because I was at this place. People come to a place in their life where they're like, I don't know where I stand with God. Now, would we agree that God knows where you stand with him? We would agree on that. But here's what happens. We come to a place a lot of times in our life where we're like, man, I just don't know where I stand with God. And let me submit to you today. We come to this place where we don't know where we stand with God because we have taken God off of the list of one and put in him three, four, or five. And so now there is this gap between us and God because God does not want second or third. God wants first place. Well, Pastor Phil, I just want God to be a part of my life. I just want him to be a part of my life. I just want to encourage you. The only part that he wants is number one. He wants the first place in my life. Now, I want to help some people today. I, I really do. I think this is why people get confused about God. I think, and this may help you to minister to people at work, minister to your family. I think this is why people get disillusioned with God. Because they know God is there. I, I know he's here. And you, you'll hear this. You'll hear people say this, Well, why didn't God intervene? Why didn't just God, listen, why didn't he just, can I tell you why? Because he's not first. He's there, but he's not first. And so what some of us get a little confused by is like, well, he's a part of my life. Do you remember, it wasn't so long ago on Christmas, There was that nativity scene. And every nativity scene that I've ever seen has Jesus as a baby in the central focus of everything. Everything is built around Jesus. Mary and Joseph looking at Jesus, right? Everybody, the wise men, all of the shepherds and every nativity, they're all looking at Jesus. And that's the way that life should be he should be the focus. He should be first. But see, when you take Jesus out of the picture in the stable and you put him on the side, he's still there. But now everybody's just staring at Mary and Joseph without Jesus. And a lot of us do this. Our families are first. Well, families first. Jesus is apart, but family is first. Can I just tell you this? When you put Jesus first, you will have a better family life. I have found out when I put my family first, it's a lot of pressure on my family, right? So people without Jesus, they're just looking at Mary and Joseph. See, I have found this. When I put my marriage first and not Jesus first, I am putting myself first, I am putting my attitude first, and that can really mess up our marriage. But I think one of the success of my wife Val and I I's marriage is that we don't put us first, we put him first. See, when he is first, it changes my attitude towards her because my attitude is not just me first and what I feel and this and that. And, you know, well, this is kind of what I'm going through. No, it's like before I address that, what would Jesus have me do? Because he's first. So my attitude changes towards my wife because it's not my attitude. It becomes the attitude of him because he is first. But see, many people don't understand that because they're like, well, things aren't changing. Well, he's in your life. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. But the question becomes, is he first? Is he first? This is how Christian, this is, to be honest, this is the Christian life. It is the God first life. Whenever those priorities get mixed up, it is a recipe for trouble. And I'm gonna tell you today, Myself included. When I put Phil Valdez first, I mess up. And see, some of us, that's, it's, it's not God first life. It's me first life. Family first life. And all of these things. Career first life. You're putting a lot of pressure on those areas. And let me tell you what happens when you put other things in front of God. There's a story in the Old Testament that buries this out, and then I'm gonna give you a New Testament scripture. There was a time when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, man, God did miracles for them. God brought them out of Egypt and he put a cloud over them by day so they wouldn't get sunburned. He put a a huge pillar by night so they would keep cold. The Bible says, you know, that their sandals didn't even wear out walking in the desert. And they came to the Red Sea. God split the Red Sea. And then Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. Come on, Mo goes up there to get the big 10, right? He's up there with God. Okay, you get the Big Ten. What do you think the people are doing at the bottom of the mountain? Thanking God for all the miracles. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Man, did you see that? God split the Red Sea. I mean, we walked on dry. Man, that is cray-cray. That's a crazy What a miracle. Do you think they were doing that? No, you know what the Bible says? That Aaron started to walk around, and he started gathering gold from people. And as they gathered gold, they put it together, and they made this idol called the Golden calf. And write it as Moses is up having a time with God, God speaks to Moses. And look at what he says. You could just jot this down in your notes. Exodus chapter 32, verse 7. It says this, and the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people. I love this. God you could tell on God's tick, because he's like, Man, my people, your people. Man, your people, Moses. Listen, your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a mottled calf and worshiped it and sacrificed it. Notice, whatever you put first, whatever's first, you'll sacrifice for. That's why when we have God's first, it's called a sacrifice of praise. I I may not feel it, I'm sacrificing. Whatever you put first, you'll sacrifice. Look, he says they're sacrificing to it and said, this is our God. The children of Israel on the bottom of the mountain saying, this is our God, looking at a calf. And they're saying, oh, Israel, that brought you out of the land of, of Egypt. They're looking at this golden calf, which they made with gold. You will always give to what you worship. Always. 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 I've been over people's houses, over guys' friends' houses, in their man cave. Come on, somebody. In their man cave, covered, covered with sports memorabilia. Covered. How much did you pay for that? I paid $1,000. And I'm sitting there crying. Oh, my gosh, man. Imagine if your team won. Man, this would be maybe amazing. But in the man cave is a shrine, right? And then we come to church. We talk about giving to God. I ain't giving to God. That's right. Because when your team is first, you will sacrifice for that, right? Come on, let, let's, let's talk real this morning. How many marriages have been sacrificed on the altar of football? Ladies, I gave you a good opportunity to say amen. Come on, let, let's be honest. I've done counseling with people. Like, we're sitting here talking about football? And you're losing your marriage? Because whatever you worship, you will give to gold, you will sacrifice for, and for them, it was a golden calf. And you know why it was a golden calf? Because in Egypt, they worshiped cows. They worshiped cows. Now, watch this, because this is a truth. This is probably one of the most interesting scriptures in the Bible. Look what Moses does. He comes down from the mountain, he's got the Ten Commandments, he breaks them. He's so ticked off. He sees these people worshiping a cow he comes down look what moses does in exodus 32 verse 20 it says moses then he took the calf which they had made that he burned it in the fire and ground he burned it and uh, he put it he burned it in the fire and ground it into powder and he scattered it on the water and made the children of israel drink it they only had one river at that time where they were at where water was moses burnt the golden calf, put it into powder and then you know what he did? He poured it into that water so that's all they could drink. And when I read this, I feel like the Lord told me this and I think we need to understand it and he said, here's the truth that we learn. You and I will always drink from the well of what we worship. You and I will always drink from the well of what we worship. And What can happen in our life is whatever we put first, we begin to draw from. The Bible says in the New Testament, here it is, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. We read it for the offering. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. See, unfortunately, this law doesn't change whether you believe it or doesn't. The law of gravity doesn't change because I don't believe in it. If I walk up on the top of this auditorium and say, I don't believe in the law of gravity, Geronimo! So it would be better for me to understand the law of sowing and reaping And see, some of us, and I just want to help some people because I've seen it in my own life. I'm not up here on a pedestal, I'm telling you. I have to change some of the seeds of my life because when we come to the end of the year of 2017 and we look at our harvest and we're like, man, I don't have friends, I don't this, that, I just am not where I need to be. Can I tell you, some of us are sitting in a harvest of seeds that we've sown throughout the year. And and we're like, where's God? And God's like, you need to understand that you're worshiping the wrong things, you're sacrificing for the wrong things. You're pouring your now. Listen, God does not mind you having other things. He just doesn't want you to be in love with those things more than you are in love with him. He wants to be first. He loves God. God created football. I love football. But you know what? It is not my God. And, and let me just say this: I love, I love, I love a lot of things. But here's what I know. Those things aren't there when I'm sick. Those things, when I'm not feeling well, aren't going to heal me and encourage me and inspire me. They're things. But God is always there. And I can tap into his power when I put him first. And here's the great news. If you don't like your harvest in 2017, change your seed. Change your seed. You know how you can see your seed? Uh, you know, this last year, it was a, I don't know, there was a period of about three months. People were just really being nice to me. And I, I told, I looked at the Lord and I was like, wow, this is pretty. And people I didn't even know. We, I, we, we've been having favor in our lives. But here's why. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, because these are the, this is the result of the seed you've been planting. You've been nice to people you don't know. So that all comes back, right? See, you can't speak and cuss out people. And expect people to come back and say, how are you doing? Oh, bless you. No. If you're investing that kind of stuff, it's going to come back. So here's the key. In 2018, let's not make those investments. Come on, somebody. Let's change that. Listen, well, our marriage is this and our marriage is that. Change the seed. Start speaking to that hunk of burning love. Come on, somebody. Tell him how handsome he is. Come on. Tell him how good his bald head looks. Come on, somebody. In Jesus' name. If he's got one hair on his head, thank God for it. Spike it. I don't know. Come on, alfalfa. Do something. But you got to look for the good and start making an investment. Is this good this morning? I'm I'm excited. Because you can change your seed. You can change that. And here's what I put in my notes. And I want you to think this. As we look into the future, we don't know what we see, but we can seed, S-E-E-D, And here's how this comes to our habits. See, really our habits become seeds for our future. Our habits and the things that we do every day, every day, today counts. Today you could start making some investments into your future. Loving on people. Give love away. I was talking to somebody this week and I said, you know, it feels disconnected. I'm like, well, you got to show people some love. You got to start making that investment. You know, the Bible says that you're not going to have friends until you show yourself friendly. That, in other words, you've got to make that investment. There's something that's going to come back to you. So if I know something's coming back, what do I want coming back? Let me determine that. I want friendship. I want love. I want forgiveness. Well, if I want forgiveness, I've got to give it. I just want people to be merciful to me. Well, are you giving, are you giving mercy? Or are you a hater drinking the hater aid? Everybody's a hater. No, not everybody's a hater. Maybe people are hating on you because those are the seeds you're planted. Ooh, ow, e e ooh, ooh, ah, ah. But it's true. I love you too much to tell you fake stuff. I gotta tell you the truth because the suit sets us free. And the good news is, if we'll put God first, we can start to plan and seed into our future. And see, God has the right to ask us to put him first. You know why? You know why he has the right? Because here's something that we need to understand. God always models what he expects. Always. Always. How can God ask Phil Valdez for my first? You know why? God gave his first only begotten son. And let me tell you what he gave. To a world who was full of sin. He gave Jesus to be my savior fulfills sins past, present, and future. He gave me, he didn't give me his second, right? Okay, they're sinful. Uh, who do we got back here? We got like, oh, I'll give my fourth son over here, uh, you know, because you, you're sinful, so I'm not gonna give you my best. Actually, what he did is he so loved the world that he gave his first, Jesus, to a world that didn't deserve it. And so God asks us for Our first, you know why? Because that's the kind of God that He is. He invested His first. So here's what God is expecting from you and I to be number one. To be number one. God doesn't, I'm gonna say it again, God doesn't mind you loving other things. But you know, He wants to be first. I'm gonna say this because in February, I'm really excited about where we're going. We're going to finish this series. And in February, we're going to go into marriage and family series. Come on. And if you're good, we may even talk about sex one Sunday. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what that is? Okay, because you're looking at me confused. I'm concerned. We may need to talk about it. Right? But here's what happens. In marriages, our spouse becomes first instead of Jesus. Our kids become first instead of Jesus. And here's what I've learned. When God is first... I'm a better husband. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better father. I'm a better man when God is first. Not me first, when he is first. And so how do we live this life if, as we start to wrap this up? how, how do we, Let's put some flesh on this, right? So how do we live this out? Here's number one. Give God the first of everything in your life. Listen to Le, uh, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. It says this A tithe of everything. Everybody say that with me. Say everything. everything. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the spoil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, unfortunately, when people hear that word tithe, they automatically think money. But I love the way this translation puts it because he says, he says God wants a tithe of everything. Listen, what does that mean? Do you know God wants the first of your thought life? Now, do you know that God wants the first of your energy? He wants the first of your life. So many of us, we only come to God when we're tired. God, I'm tired. And the Bible says that we can come, right? All you who are weary, and for some of us, that has been our life. We don't give God the best of our energy, We give him the last. But Leviticus is telling us, and it's Old Testament, but the tithe is the tenth. The tithe represents the whole. So what God wants is he wants a tithe of everything, of your life, of your thoughts. Come on, somebody. What's the purpose of that? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, I love how it says in the Living Bible. It says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. And here's what I've learned. I've learned a lot about priorities being married. I've learned a lot about priorities having kids. If we do not have the right priorities, we can miss out on a lot of things. I have showed up late to events because we did not prioritize the right thing. We're supposed to be at an event. My wife's at the grocery store. That's not the priority right now. We're supposed to be, and I've learned that when I have things in the wrong priority, it can set me back. But here's what I've learned. When I put God first, prioritize his first, he somehow supernaturally weaves everything else into its place. Let me say that again. When we put God first, the first habit, when I put him first, If you'll do that, put him first, he, the Bible says, right? If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added. See, God wants to add things to your life. Listen, God wants to. But what we do is we want to add. So we start adding and then we add and we get out of priority with God. And we're tired, Where we don't know where we stand with God, and yet God says, look, if you'll just get this first thing right, that you put me first, I'll help you with your marriage. I'll help you with your family. I'll help you with your job. I'll help you with your finances. I'll help you with your health if you'll put me first. If you'll put me first. So the tithe is, what is that? It's to remind us to put God first, to put God first. And let me say, if you don't put him first, Everything else will be out of sync in your life. And for some of us, that's why we're here today. Because we just feel like, have you ever just had those days or maybe a week or maybe it was this year? You just feel like you're not, you know, the cylinders aren't clicking. You're not just functioning on all levels. And I would submit to you today, it's probably because something is taking that first place. You can be single here, want to get married, and put a boyfriend in front you can put your. Mar- I know some people that they just want to get married. That's number one. Hey, why don't you seek him first? God knows where that guy is. God has the best in store for you. But when you seek him first, he'll bring everything else together. Come on, somebody. Is this a good word this morning? Come on, let's give him a good round of applause. Let's put him first. So let me give you four practical ways to put God first. Here's number one: Give God the first of your year. Give God the first of your year. I want to announce today for our church, I want to announce to you that we're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting for our church. Now, what what, what does that mean? What does that mean? A fast, I am not fasting so I can go to heaven. I'm not fasting to get closer to God in terms of if I fast, God, God is as close to you today as he'll ever be. What fasting does is it removes all of the junk and all of the other things so you can have a clearer picture of him. And so what we're declaring today is for the next 21 days that you would pray about what God would have you do. Now, there's a couple of different fasts. There's a complete fast where I, not everybody can do, right? Uh, and I would just say, you know, you have to consult your, your physician where people go for water for 21 days. That's a complete fast. Here's another one. There's four types selective fast. And what does that mean? That you take certain foods out of your diet. I know people who have fasted sugar because it's just not good for them. And they say, hey, or they, they, hey, I'm gonna, for 21 days, I'm just not gonna drink Diet Cokes anymore or sodas. Or, hey, that's a good start, right? But, or selective, or what, what they'll do. And some people do the Daniel fast, that's no meat, sweets, bread. Here's another one, a partial fast, is they'll skip a couple meals and then just have uh, a dinner. But here's the reality, in that time when they're not eating, you pray, and you ask God, and you pray to God. And what, what you'll find, I've, I've seen people be delivered when they've fasted. I've, I've, heard, I've, I've, I've talked to people who've heard from heaven because they've fasted, and remember, God's always speaking, but what the fast does is it eliminates those other voices from your life and those things so you can hear God clearer. Because what you do the first of the year can make the whole other part of the year work. And then there's also what I call a soul fast, S-O-U-L. And the soul fast for me is focused on, I'm gonna fast some stuff, whatever's feeding my emotions, right? Whatever's feeding my emotions, that could be social media, right? That's always feeding my emotion. You know what? For 21 days, I'm not going to turn on the news. And I'll tell you what, you'll probably be a lot more happier. For t- what is that? What is that? Oh, Pastor Phil, I just can't live without my Instagram. Oh, you got a problem. You just got, I got a, right? And here's what happens. The battle what's first. I'll tell you what, when you go through a fast, you will start to see the things that scream out at you. And you will say, I didn't know. I was so addicted to that. But here's the goal. It helps you to clarify and hear from God. I just guarantee you. And I'm just, I just want to challenge you. Try 21 days without Facebook and and without Instagram and see what happens in your life. I bet you will hear from heaven. Come on, somebody. But I want to, listen, you may say, well, Pastor Phil, I don't know about this. Here's what I'm going to ask, that all of us be in the spirit of praying and fasting for 21 days. And I'm so excited to see what God will do in your life, in the life of our church, because what we do at the beginning and what we do first can set the precedence for what happens. Are you going to fast, Phil? Absolutely, I am. And I pray every day. But listen, I I, I just want 2018 to be exceptional. And I want to be closer to God than I've ever been. So I'm going to eliminate some stuff so he can be first. Amen. Here's the second thing. Not only giving the first of our year, but how about giving the first of our month to God? And that comes down to scheduling, budgeting, right? Finances. Val and I, first 10% of whatever we make, we tithe to God's house. We say, God, you are first. Now, God doesn't ask for everything, he asks for 10. 10 represents to God a whole, right? And so when I give God, I'm gonna give him my first, and he will bless the rest. He will make everything else work out. I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed and under this world system. So we give our 10th, why? To remind God that he is first. Now, what does that mean in terms of scheduling? It means we schedule our time. God first, we schedule our family time, right? You know, now as the church has been growing, we can't go to everything. We can't go to every birthday party. We can't get birthday gifts for everybody. We won't, we'll be broke. So we have to schedule. We have to budget the best that we can. We have to schedule our time. Listen, families, you have to schedule your time together. So we schedule. But can I encourage you? Don't schedule things that schedule God out of your schedule. Let me say that again. Don't schedule things that schedule God out of your schedule. I'm going to tell you, if you are in church 52 Sundays this next year, I can double dog bet you your life will change, and you will have a complete new person at the end of the year that when you look in the mirror, you'll be like, I don't know who that is. But put it on your schedule. Church, church, I'm going to church, I'm going to church. Don't schedule things that schedule God out of your schedule. Here's the third one. The third, give God the first of my week, right? The first of my week. Do you know the early church moved from a Saturday Sabbath to a Sunday celebration for two reasons? Number one, Jesus rose again on Sunday. So that's why we come to church on Sunday. I'm not saying that going to church on Saturday is wrong. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying this is what the early church did. They came to church on Sunday because Jesus rose again, but here's what they decided. Here's the second reason why they changed it from a Saturday to Sunday. They changed it from Saturday to Sunday because they didn't want to come to church at the end of the week. What they wanted to do is come on Sunday, which is the first of the week, which you are doing. You came here the first of your week saying, God, I'm going to give you the first of my week. And you know what he'll do? He'll bless the rest. He'll bless the rest. For an hour and a half, hour 15 minutes of your time that you invest and put him first, you will see. I, I See, that doesn't make sense to me. Give God an hour and a half on a Sunday and he'll bless the whatever, however many hours in my week. But that's the exchange that God does in our life. And how many times do we come to church and it's just a helpful reminder, God first, God's in my life. Okay, I can do this. Come on, somebody, let's give him the first of our week. And let me ask you again, what would your life look like if you were in church 52 Sundays, you would be a totally changed person? And here's the last one for today. Here's the fourth one. Give God the first of my day. This has really helped me. What do you do when you first wake up? You wake up. Woo, I'm tired. You first wake up. Where's my phone? Check Facebook. What's going on in the world? Okay. Donald Trump's still president. All right. First wake up. How am I going to pay those bills? First wake up. I'm not feeling well today. First wake up. Oh, I got a lot I have to do. Is that putting God first? But see, this is what we're talking about. We talk about the tithe. When you get up in the morning, your first thought, Lord, this is what I do every day. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I've done so many funerals in my life. I wake up every day and say, thank you for this day. Then I'm alive. That I have breath to breathe. 10 seconds. 15 seconds. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice. See, that sets the precedence of when I wake up, how am I going to pay these bills? Oh, my gosh, I'm so worried. Oh, I didn't accomplish what I didn't accomplish. That sets the precedence for the day what you do first. And I'm just I want to encourage you if you've never done this. I truly believe everybody has 15 minutes. Everybody has 15 minutes, which I call the 5 in 5. And this is what I do and it's helped me and it's grown. And I want to challenge you. Take 5 minutes in the word. You can go on our app, the app. We have a Bible on our app. Read, get yourself a Bible plan. Five minutes, read some Psalms. Five minutes in the Word. Listen, five minutes in worship. That's one song. Usually one worship song is about three minutes. Unless you're listening to something from Bethel, it could be 10 minutes with the spontaneous. So take out the spontaneous if you don't have the time and listen to three to four minutes of worship. Listen, and then five minutes of prayer. That's 15 minutes. Can I just tell you? Now listen, Pastor Phil. Many of you know, I'm not a legal guy. I'm a grace guy. Grace, grace, grace. Can we pray anytime? You can pray anytime. Paul says, I'm always in an attitude of prayer, but here's what I've learned. What you do first can set the precedence for the rest. And that if I take 15 minutes in the morning, five minutes in the word, five minutes in worship, and five minutes of prayer, you'll have a better day. And here's what I've learned. I respond differently during the day. Most of the time, it's because his peace, his presence gives me peace. And here's what putting God first says. God, I'm totally dependent on you. I'm announcing that today is your day. I'm gonna put my trust in you. And can I just say, here's what you can expect when you put God first, that there will be nothing, nothing, between you and God when you put Him first. And here's another thing you can expect from God when you put Him first. When you put Him first, He will bless the rest. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.